please, God. This is God. What chemical two, four, five triaxinates called? We have such sights to show you. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast. And, you know, because I love you guys so much and because you guys are absolutely awesome, I needed to give you guys a bit of a bonus episode. Today, we are going to do a bonus episode also because it is the 31st of December, 2022. So, you know, we are New Year's Eve. So we need to do a movie that's going to reflect New Year's Eve. So we are going to be doing the 1980 American slasher film, New Year's Evil. Now, this movie was, <laughs> to say the least, I was really hoping for something more than I got. Unfortunately, it fell really, really short, almost to the point where it's like, what's the point of watching this movie? Because in the first, say, 10 minutes of the movie, 10, 15 minutes of the movie, you actually get to see who the hell the killer is. Now, my first thought is with any horror movie, any slasher movie, you shouldn't see the killer immediately. Now, I know we don't see, we don't understand the reference as far as, you know, who this person is. But in all honesty, if you're going to be doing a decent slasher film, you don't give away the plot of the movie straight away you don't give the the killer away immediately so i was a little bit disappointed on that one but in saying that it it was an okay movie it filled uh, it filled up a small amount of time for, for my life but i just really wanted to give you guys instead of you guys listening to all the trailers of all the movies that we've done all throughout the year which was fine but i just thought you know what you guys need a bit of a bonus uh movie so yeah I just thought I'll give you guys something to listen to today. That way we can go into New Year's Day and, hey, 2023. Before we get started, remember, I am got our uh, Facebook group. Now, this group is for everybody and everybody that comes to the Horror Crypt um, podcast. This one's called Horror Crypt Cafe. Now, that's a place here, a place where you can come, sit, relax, you can talk to people, you can get to know me, you can get to know fellow listeners, you can also tell us where you are in the world, you can also give us ideas as far as movies that we'd like to watch. And there are movies probably that I haven't seen that I'd be really interested in doing as a bit of a review on the Horror Crypt podcast. So if you want to join, you know, there's no obligation, obviously, but if you'd like to join, just search Horror Crypt Cafe and you can come and be part of this awesome community that I have, which is the Horror Crypt podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode of this podcast, this bonus episode of this uh, podcast, we're going to do the trailer and then we're going to come back and review the 1980 movie New Year's Evil. So here's the trailer. One night, they were celebrating New Year's Eve. He was out, ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. Call me evil. Every New Year's Eve, the caller came out. Unfortunately, if you guys are sitting there going, that sounds like a really awesome movie, it's okay. It's not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. It's just one of those movies that will fill in time. And it was just one of those movies that I'd seen quite often in video stores, but I never decided to pick up the cover or pick up the, the, the movie and 
take it home. I did see it on um, YouTube, so it is free. It's there are no ads, and it's also undubbed, so it's you know it's the original um, version. Now the main star of this movie. Does anybody remember Happy Days? Now most of us who are my age would know that we grew up with Happy Days. If you guys uh, have never heard of Happy Days before, please go and Google it and see who the hell was in this show called Happy Days. I'm pretty sure that everyone would know what Happy Days is. It was done. Um, it was. It was done in the 80s. It was just. It was basically around like the 1950s and 60s, I think, if I remember correctly. Anyway, that's not not important. One of the stars of. Well, not one of the stars, one of the people that made a guest appearance in um, Happy Days was a woman by the name of Roz Kelly. Now, she played Pinky Tuscadero. Now, if anyone doesn't know who Pinky Tuscadero is, please go and Google her and see uh, what she did. You can also see her on YouTube. They've got a couple of little snippets of Pinky Tuscadero. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, this, this woman, Roz Kelly, she's the main star of this movie and she has had photographs which is really awesome with people like Jimi Hendrix, Soupy Sales, Andy Warhol, Cream, Leonard Cohen, Neil Diamond. I mean that is pretty cool as far as your resume goes. She was slated to be um, the longtime girlfriend of Arthur Fonzarelli in Happy Days but unfortunately when discord occurred amongst Kelly, the cast and producers, her character was dropped. So she was, I don't think she was the most easiest person to get along with, with uh, you know, in her acting career. But as we go along to her personal life, I think this is really awesome. And i got to read this to you because I think she's, a, she's becoming a badass bitch. So on November 29th, 1998, she was arrested for firing a 12-gauge shotgun into the living room window of a neighbor's house after a car alarm, a car alarm woke her up. She also shot the neighbor's car and another car nearby. I mean, this is a woman you don't want to have as a next-door neighbor. The neighbor wasn't home, thank God, at the time, and pleading no contest to the charges of firing into a house, she received three years felony probation on October 20th, 2000. She was also ordered to receive um, psychiatric counseling and pay restitution as ordered by the probation department. And you think to yourself, okay, you know, I've got to just stop there. A car alarm pissed me off and woke me up, so I'm not going to do anything more. Nope, hang on tight. She did something else. So on October 20, 27th, 2000, she was sentenced to 120 days in jail after pleading no contest to, to charges stemming from an August 20th, 2000 arrest for hitting a man with her cane. <laughs> she was given credit for the 98 days that she'd already spent in jail awaiting her sentence, thus avoiding having to spend any more time in jail. Now, as far as I'm concerned... Uh, no, we don't need her anywhere near us. <laughs> and if she becomes a next-door neighbor of, of yours, uh, make sure you definitely turn your car alarm off because she will get pissed and watch out for her cane because obviously her cane is worse than her bite. But that is a little bit of our star, Roz Kelly. <laughs> I mean, she looks completely, I guess, completely normal. Uh, but obviously there have some underlying issues that she's got in mental illness and basically her entire life. <laughs> so she's going around and shoot. I mean, I, I would be taking all, all shotguns. I'd be taking all guns away from this woman because, you know, there's, there's, there could be a chance that she'd open up your, you know, you'd open up your front door and she'd just blast you to say your dog barked or something. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's one of those movies, one of those people you just sit there and go, yep, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we need to go any any further than her. So yeah, this movie really is not one of those movies you'd sit there and go, wow, that was memorable. I mean, the the cast is so so, the acting is very so so, uh, the storyline is very very flimsy. I mean, it, you know, you'll hear as we go along, even at the end of the you know end of the podcast, why it was that this guy was doing what he was doing, and even that's a very flimsy you know, reason for it. And I think that the, the end was laughable. I didn't really, I didn't really believe the last part of the movie. And even, even going through most of the movie, you sit there and go, well, all right, well, I understand what you're doing, but you've got no reason to be doing this. But, you know, it was just, it is what it is. It's, it's one of those movies that you can just basically put on in the background and really set and forget it. But, that's obviously not a reason why you want to go and, and watch a movie. You actually want to sit there and actually enjoy it and get, you know, engrossed in it. But this movie is not it, unfortunately. 
So if you're sitting there going, this is going to be a great movie, <laughs> strap in. It's not. But as I said, I just I couldn't leave you guys without having something to listen to as far as a horror crypt podcast this week. So I needed to do this. So as I said, the movie is um, it's not the best, but it'll it'll keep you you know mildly entertained. I guess if you want to just put it on the background. The movie was released on December the nineteenth, nineteen eighty. It runs for eighty five minutes. Its uh, budget was half a million dollars. I couldn't tell you how much it actually took because um, they just didn't include that in the uh, in the synopsis. Now, this movie, the plot of the movie follows a Los Angeles punk rock and new wave show host who receives a series of phone calls during a televised New Year's Eve bash from a killer warning of impending murders that he plans to exact as the new year dawns on each time zone. So, okay, you know, even the... <laughs> Even that the trailer says, you know, he comes out every New Year's Eve. No, he doesn't at all. This was just, I guess, one of those ideas that he had in his in his mind to do this. Now, the movie opens up on a nondescript location, as in a city. We then realize, obviously, that it is L.A. as we go along. But we see a woman, and she's sitting at um, a, a makeup desk, and she's getting her... She's already had her makeup done, so she's getting her hair done, and she's saying that she's looking for... Um, some press releases that are supposed to be handed to her before the show starts. And there's a guy that's standing next to her, and he, he seems to, I guess, be his her manager. We're not really told exactly who this is at this point in time, but we also see that uh, there's a woman walking down the hallway, um, African-American, very attractive African-American lady walking down the hallway, and the phone from her room is ringing. So we realise now that we're in a hotel and she gets to the she gets to the room goes to answer the phone of course the phone is hung up no one's on is on the other end so it's like oh okay so you know the good old days where you'd run like hell to answer your phone if it was ringing from inside your house and you just got just got there and you went to grab it and it's like and then it stopped ringing it's like oh god damn it and then because back in the good old days you couldn't star 69 anything to find out who actually rang you so it was like okay well you know Whoever rang me, I guess, will hopefully ring back, but that was all there was to it. So, you know, she goes there, she picks up the phone, no one's there. So she decides she's got to start getting herself ready to go out, I'm guessing. Um, once again, we're not told who this person is, but uh, as she's getting herself organised, you hear the door into her room sort of like um, squeaking. So she comes out of the bathroom and she's looking down the hallway to see where the, where the front door is. Now, we all realise that when she came into the room, she shut the door. So suddenly the door is open. Who would be in the room? We don't know. So she goes in, closes the door, goes back to her bathroom to keep getting ready and do her makeup. And we hear the dripping of um, the faucet in, in, the, the, in the bathroom as far as the shower goes. And she goes to turn the, the shower off and try and make sure that it doesn't keep dripping. And then all of a sudden we get this person that grabs her around the throat and drags her into the bath and then... I guess we guess she's had her slow, her throat slip. We don't know because we didn't see it. And then we open up into the beginning of the movie, which is Hollywood Boulevard. And, of course, we have the over, overview of the city and the Hollywood Boulevard strip. And we've got the song uh, New Year's Evil, which is a really, really bad song. <laughs> and we're seeing a bunch of, once again, nondescript punks. Now, we don't know where they're going but they're all in a car and they are causing havoc now as far as i'm concerned if i was a police officer uh, you know driving behind them i'd pull them all over they're spitting at people there are people that are they're they're causing a lot of drama as far as their car you know other people's cars go um they're just being very very aggressive people and you know there's one girl that pulls up alongside of them in a van and flashes her tits and then drives away and you know, then the, the driver himself, you know, he's driving along, you know, trying to maintain a constant speed, I guess. And the girl next to him is trying to kiss his ear and she's and he's pushing her face back, you know, away from her. And so it's really and it just follows you. It just follows this thing all the way down Hollywood Boulevard, but the same song all the way down. And we realize that they're coming up to a hotel. We don't know what they're coming up to a hotel for. And we see a police officer. Now, we're guessing it's a police officer because he looks like a police officer. We're not told whether he is or whether he's a security guard. But anyway, the, all these punks get out of this, this uh, the car, and it is it's convertible. And, uh, well, the <laughs> the acting is not the greatest. And if you if you hear this little bit of... Uh, part of the movie now you've got all they've all jumped out of the car they're all walking up to the security guard or up to this police officer and he's requesting something so 
you can sort of guess after this that just how good the acting is really going to be in this movie. Tickets. Tickets. Let's have your tickets. Tickets. Let's have your tickets. Don't get excited. So now I understand you need your tickets, but you don't have to say tickets, please your tickets, please your tickets all the friggin' time. But anyway, now the whole thing is that he, this one of the guys, one of these punks, goes up to this guy. Now, if he's a police officer and you do this to a police officer, really the next thing you should be seeing is a doctor standing over you in the emergency department going, you okay? Because he walks up to this guy and he's got what looks to be a switchblade but he presses the button and a comb comes out. Do you remember those that were around the place that you could actually get the switchblade combs? I stupidly had one as well. I don't know why, but I had one. But uh, so he walked up to this, this security guard or this police officer and presses the button and you know, a comb comes up. He's like, oh, okay. And uh, really, the, the, the scene goes nowhere because they're going into this New Year's Eve um, live TV show that's going to be hosted by this rock DJ by the name of Diane Sullivan, also known as Blaze. And uh, so the, that scene finishes and we cut over to what we see is a young guy walking into where this woman, Blaze, and her, I guess her manager is, and she's getting ready to, to go on stage. And the, the, the young guy comes in and we don't, un, we don't really don't know who it is until he introduces himself and then we realize, oh, okay. Hello, Mom. Derek. Favorite. Oh, my nails, baby. Would you put them in water, huh? Yeah. Ernie, do they make those lighting changes we talked about? All taken care of. Oh. I got some good news. Oh. That's nice, honey. Got a part in a new series. Spaceship America. Ah, Ernie, I just remembered I want to see those press releases Yvonne has before she passes them out. Got it? Okay. It's really a good part. You want to get her on the phone for me, huh? Sure, but snap it up. We start shooting next week. What? The series. My part. Look, I tell you what, why don't you tell me all about it later? After the show, I'll take you out to dinner, okay? So you can really see that mum is really not paying attention. She's too hyper-focused on what she's doing. And okay, I understand that she is, you know, a, I guess a celebrity and, and that sort of situation. And she's going to be hosting this TV show or this this rock show that's you know going to be simulcast around all around America. But it's just, you know, there he is trying to explain to her that, you know, he's got this really wonderful parts coming up and, you know, that, that it, he's got things happening you know, in his life. And his mother was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Listen, you know, just shut up. And so we all, we also realized that when she said, I want to see the, the press releases, that was the woman, that was the, the first kill that happened with uh, that person that grabbed a hold of her in the bath because obviously she was the press secretary that was going to be handing out the uh, those press releases throughout the, the evening on, on the show. And of course, we now that she knows that she's uh, dead, so we can't do that. And Blaze can't um, have a look before we start the show. So then the movie transitions over to the opening of... Now, remember, all these punks... I, I keep saying the punks because they're not introduced at all. So they're just nondescript people. So let's say a nondescript group of people, um, a crowd of people, are in this so-called, I guess, TV studio or ballroom, whatever. And it's going to be the, the opening of this, this, I guess, a televised party live from the hollywood hotel and simulcast on a local radio station so this is the opening scene where we're seeing that this is happening she is now getting up on stage and this is the beginning of i guess the movie coming down live from high atop the sunset strip it's hollywood hotline a countdown of this year's most popular new wave rock Hostess for tonight's musical celebration, the First Lady of Rock, Blaze! Hi, babies, it's time to slam down and get even. It's time to 
to spin out and boil your hair, you know? I want you to brace yourself for a night of high, solid energy. Now, tonight we are in stereo simulcast on the Rock K-Rock FM. Now, this is your last chance to be bad before you make those New Year's resolutions. That's why we call our celebration New Year's Eva. Now, you are going to watch by satellite the arrival of midnight in three different time zones. Are you ready, New York? You bet, Blaze. 58 minutes before midnight here in Times Square. The crowd's been gathering since 5 o'clock. Standing by, Chicago? We're right with you, Blaze. And we'll be here one hour after New York at midnight central time. And what about you, Aspen, Colorado? Our torch lit parade down the slope will continue right through midnight. See you then. So that's what you can expect before we celebrate our finale here on the West Coast. Now, of course, I don't think we've actually been told that there is this, you know, show that is going to be called New Year's Evil. I didn't even think that that was a possibility because it wasn't shown in the movie that this was a New Year's Evil celebration. But one thing I actually do find interesting is that they have the same band playing throughout the night. But at one stage, you get to see that the band is playing a rather slow song. Um, but you... you you know, you've got the group of people standing at the front of the stage and around the area dancing away. Now, obviously, someone didn't tell the the I don't know the audio engineer that the band needs to be louder than the people dancing because when this very slow song is going on, the band is lower than the people dancing. But all you're hearing because these guys, these punks, are not dancing normally; they're just basically shuffling backwards and forwards. So all you hear is the constant shuffling of feet backwards and forwards. So this is where it's like, oh, for the love of God, come on! Like you know, does anyone not actually do any editing in this movie to see? Oh, hang on a minute. Let's just bring up the sound of the band and lower the, the, the shuffling of the feet because it really is very, very strange. It's almost like this is done in a warehouse. Obviously, it's done in a warehouse or somewhere, but they didn't think to themselves that there is a good chance that people are not going, not going to want to hear the continuous shuffling of feet backwards and forwards while this band is slowly playing. And it's the funny thing is the, the band is the one that plays the opening song of New Year's Evil. So... Hey, obviously they could only afford to play, to pay one band through the night, so, you know, whatever. But anyway, we have this simulcast on the local radio station, and, you know, we're going to be doing everything uh, with regards to around the world in different time zones, around the world, around America in different time zones, so we can just ring in the new year. And everything seems to be going wonderfully well until Blaze gets... Now, there's, there's I'd say there's like four people, four girls on a table and they're taking phone calls as it's going through. Every now and again, Blaze will go over to one of them and pick up the phone and answer the phone. And of course, you will also hear that people are voting for the best song of the year. But uh, everything's going very, very well until Diane receives a phone call from a very odd sounding stranger. Blaze here, happy new year. This is Clara. My vote for the best song is, we don't need no education. Oh, just some hot tips, huh? Well, thank you, Clara. Ballet's here. A crazy new year to you. Happy new year to you, Blaze. Ooh, some kind of voice you got there. Sound like the Phantom. You could call me that. So you got a name, Phantom? Call me... Evil. Evil? You bad, honey? No. Just evil. Well, listen, Mr. Evil, uh, do you have a vote for the top song of the year? No. Just a New Year's resolution. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. I'm going to kill someone you know. Someone close to you. So now apparently the caller has decided that he's going to, with his intentions, murder one naughty girl at the stroke of midnight in each US time zones. Uh, now, that was never even told at all. He he basically just said that he's going to be committing murder in each time zone. So, and 
you know, it's saying that, you know, he warns Diane, located in the Pacific time zone, that she'll be the last victim. No, that's not it at all either. He never told her that at all. So it's like, I don't know, where are you getting this idea from? Um, now, I tried, for the love of God, I tried my hardest to look to see what the hell he had in his mouth to make his voice sound like that. The only thing that I can come up with that he may have something to disguise his voice is if you know what a kazoo is. Now, I have only, I, I mean, I, I didn't have one. My cousin I know did. I don't know why he had one, but anyway, he had a kazoo. Um, but that's the only way that I can figure because this guy has, is on the phone and he's got something in his mouth. So it's like, I, I don't know what it is that he's got, but it's not a voice changer because this is 1980. So there was really no such thing as voice changes. So he's got something in his mouth. So I'm guessing it's a kazoo, something like that to make his voice sound strange. But you know, hey, this is a very strange movie. So it's not like this is going to be at all. You'll never see this at um, <laughs> the Golden Globe Awards for the great great show or you you'll never see this from the academy awards either because this is <laughs> this is not a good movie but you know what as i said it just it is what it is um so meanwhile uh, diane's son derek arrives in the studio he's mostly ignored by his mother and begins behaving erratically erratically is an understatement because at one stage blaze comes off the stage and she's gone up into a hotel room just to freshen up and whatever and you see him you know, now he's in another room of the of the hotel, but he's then he's sitting there on the bed with like these red pantyhose over his head, as if like he's going to go and commit armed robbery somewhere. And then at some stage during the night, he comes down to where her show is going on, and she sta he stands off to the side where she is. Now she's surrounded by police at this stage because of all this that's going on, and she's you know basically told the police this is going to be happening. And this idiot is standing on the opposite, you know, away from her a little bit with this red you know, pantyhose over her head. So A, she's not paying attention. B, the police aren't paying attention. And C, this guy's just an, uh, just a nutbag. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, if you are the police and see this nutbag standing along the side away from this woman with a red pantyhose over your head, uh, looking very ominous, I think you'd want to go and have a conversation with him. But we don't do that because that would slow down the movie, even though this movie is painfully slow. So... We are actually now seeing that she's taking phone calls and she's already alerted the police that this is going to be happening. Um, then, of course, as the movie is going on, we've got you know, the heightened security measures being taken around Blaze to make sure that you know, she's protected. But then we see the next scene we see is a, a sanitarium. Well, we don't really know what it is at the, at the present time, but we see this guy who we know that his full, his full face, we know exactly who he looks, who he is. He sneaks into this, we first think it's a hospital, but we end up to be, to find out it's a sanitarium. And he dresses as, a, as an orderly or as a nurse. And he happens to go over to a very attractive nurse and says, listen, I was sent here by the agency. It's my first night. Can you help me out? And she's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. We can get you all settled in for the shift. And then he breaks open um, out of his bag. He's got a bottle of champagne. And she's like, well, you can't drink that on, on duty. And he's like, well, yeah, I know, but it's going to be a very slow night. It's New Year's Eve. And, you know, how about you and I just sneak off and, and have a drink? And she's like, wow, you're really fast. And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. This, girl, this woman is the epitome of fast. I mean, there are Ferraris, you know, your Formula One Ferraris that aren't as fast as this woman. But uh, he goes and follows her and they go into like a back storeroom. And they've got the radio going. And uh, she's, uh, you know, they're having a drink and getting to know each other. And then suddenly they start very passionately kissing. And as the passionately kissing and going on, um, you see that this guy breaks for a little bit. And he's got the tape recorder. He's got a record, sorry, a radio slash cassette recorder along the side of him. And, of course, this is why they're actually able to hear the countdown. And he hits record. Now, I don't know how you were able to do that with the tape recorder when it was a radio as well, I didn't. I think you, when I was doing it, I remember is that I used to have a rec like a radio and then a tape recorder to be able to record the t the uh, the music off of. So I don't think you can actually do a you know a live radio broadcast with recording the the uh, the event. I don't know. It's you. I I didn't have something. Do you see? I'm not sure. But anyway, at the stroke of midnight Eastern time zone, um, he ends up by murdering 
one of, well, murdering this nurse. And of course, after he does do this, he happens to ring back Blaze to let her know exactly what had happened. Blaze here, a happy new year to you. This is evil. Yeah, hi, hiya. This is evil. Remember me. Yeah, I was wondering if you were uh, going to call back. Uh, listen, about that uh, New Year's resolution uh, you told me you were going to make. I mean, you were just driving me, weren't you? No way. I just made my first kill right on schedule. Midnight Eastern Standard Time. Listen to the replay. from me in an hour. Tell the police they can find her body somewhere in the Crawford Sanitarium. Have fun! So now this guy has got a huge amount of uh, disguises because the next scene we see him after he's actually killed the first person, he's now dressed up to the nines and he's going out to a bar and we think to ourselves, okay, well, he's just going out for a drink, but no, he's actually trying to find his next victim. And he finds this, and of course he drives in this very nice Mercedes. And I guess back then it was, you know, very, very, you know, you're, you've made it if you're driving a Mercedes. And he comes across this woman, and we we assume now that this is going to be his next victim. But unfortunately, she's got a roommate of hers that wants to come along. So he's like, okay, yep, that's fine. We can do that. So he's driving around the the two women, and he says, listen, how about we, you know, we go back to my place? So I'm, so right now you're thinking, okay, two birds with one stone, that'll make three. And then if you are really, you know, genuinely going to be going and killing Blaze, well, then that's the fourth and you're done. But of course, you know, it doesn't work out that way because when they pull up to a liquor store, he says to one of the girls, okay, why don't you go inside and get some sh some you know, stuff? Here's $100 and uh, we'll wait in the car. Of course, unfortunately, when the other girl goes in to get the, uh, the alcohol, he ends up by strangling the other woman. Of course, then he drives, his, you know, drives, you think he drives away. The other one, the one, the other one walks out of the liquor store, and of course the car's gone. So it's like, okay, where the hell is he, and where are they? And she starts walking down the the alleyway a little bit where the where the um the liquor store is, and she sees a shoe, which is her friend's shoe. And then you see a handbag, and then of course as she's walking over to where an industrial bin in is, you can see like a blue silken, I guess nylon. I don't know, I wouldn't say the stocking, maybe it's it's something to do with some part of the, the outfit. And so she figures, oh, okay, so she might be in there. So she goes to the dumpster and opens the dumpster up, and it's completely black, except this guy happens to, you know, light up his cigarette lighter and has this menacing little look on his face, and then grabs a hold of her and drags her into the dumpster. So my first thought is, why are you in a dumpster? What is the possible reason to do that and how could how convinced are you that she's actually going to look in that dumpster and not walk straight past and what the hell are you sitting on like oh disgusting you know <laughs> that's just me unfortunately so we realize now that we've had one I, mean, I don't know whether you could really call these two women like number two and three because really the, he only it's only really counted as one but of course and so that's the one of the kills that's done uh, after midnight in central uh, in the central time zone and of course he uses the radio cassette recorder to, to tape the sounds of his victims as he murders them and calls back to the station each time playing the tapes over the phone to you know basically to prove he's serious now the police at this stage are pretty much surrounding blaze making sure that nobody goes into the studio and making sure that she's safe and of course while the killer searches for a, a victim to kill at the stroke of midnight in the mountain time zone he inadvertently angers a gang of bikers. Now, I love how this happens. Okay, so now he's he was dressed up to the nines and he was getting changed because he's, he's already made the phone call that he's killed these these women, um, you know, where the, where the liquor store is. And he drives away maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 blocks. 
and he pulls into an alleyway and he's getting changed and then of course you see the police cars go flying past with lights and sirens and they're heading towards that crime that crime scene so he's getting changed and now he gets changed into he's a priest yes at this stage you should be sitting there going what yeah He's a priest. So now he's driving now a priest driving a very nice Mercedes. So the Catholic Church must be doing pretty well for themselves. So he's driving along and he pulls up to a stoplight and there's all these bikers that surround his car on either side and they start really giving giving him, you know, I don't know, very aggressive sort of like, you know, um, looks and you know, words and stuff like that. And so you think at that stage that the light turns green and we're off. But unfortunately, as the light turns green, he accelerates, and of course he hits at the pants, <laughs> hits into one of the bikers, knocking him off and his girlfriend off the back of the bike. Well, it's at this stage that the bikers then decide they're going to um, do him some damage, and he drives into a movie theater, into a driving theater, and luckily parks the car and leaves <laughs> leaves the car as the bikers are coming in trying to find him. Of course, when they chase him into the, in the into the drive-in theatre, they do come across his car and they get off the bikes and start beating the hell out of the poor car. And you think, oh, God, leave the poor car alone. But anyway, he, he murders one of the bikers because as he's trying to escape around the other cars, this biker happens to be standing in his way. And, of course, he stabs this guy and runs off. And, of course, he comes up to a car and there's a couple in there in the back seat and, and you know, she, the, the girl is smoking pot and really getting high. The other guy's really not interested, obviously, in the movie, but he's too busy trying to fondle this this girl's breasts and trying to get really into her pants. It's at this stage that he, our killer, comes up, grabs a hold of the guy, pulls him out of the car, and steals the <laughs> steals the car the couple's car to avoid being recognised and drives off with the girl in the back seat. And so she does happen to say to him, listen, um... You know, we can get it on if you want. I won't make a fuss. I won't do anything. And it's at that stage that he flicks his you know, knife open as if to say that you're going to be the next victim. Unfortunately, when he pulls over to try and kill her, she jumps out of the car and manages to escape. So it's like, ah, damn it. Okay, so we really need to find one more person. So I guess we are classing the other two girls as, you know, the, the victims. So eventually the killer manages to sneak into the hotel and he does so by knocking a police officer out and grabbing his uniform. Now, you're going to say to me, okay, if you see this movie, you'll see that the police officer that he knocks out is a rather heavy set gentleman. But of course, when the killer knocks this guy out and takes his uniform, it fits absolutely perfectly. Now, remember, this is the 1980s, so you can't really sit there and say continuity errors because for a half million dollars, we're lucky if we're actually making a movie at all. But he manages to walk into the hotel, pass another police officer, and uh, we're going. he's going up into, into an elevator. We don't know where he's going at this stage. And uh, so we're just following him around to see what he's doing. And he's, he's checking out all the areas he sees as police officers in different different areas of the hotel and also diane has been off stage for a little while because she's very shaken up because every time there's a kill she gets a phone call and it's getting closer and closer and the police are aware that it must that this killer must be making the, the way back to where she is so the more the phone calls are coming in the more police are being added she's getting a huge amount of protection and just to make sure that you know she's really protected of course when she's in her hotel room we see that this guy and, and now he's changed out of his police officer uniform and he's in this white sort of jumpsuit and he walks around out of the bathroom and he's got a very very creepy mask on and he's walking towards her with a knife and of course at this stage you know as he goes to bring the knife down blaze turns around and he takes his um his mask off and we find that it is revealed to be diane's husband richard did you see that coming? I didn't see it coming when I was watching this movie. Um, and he was a, he was a previously thought that he was going to be too busy to attend because he did say um, that he was in Palm Springs and that uh, you know he was too busy to, to come to the to the show. But of course, when he he does say to to, to Blaze that when these strange phone calls started to come in, he jumped uh, in the car and and made a hightail over to the hotel because he was so concerned about her safety. So it's at this stage that a police officer arrives and knocks on the door and and you know. Blaze opens it up and of course in the background there's her husband and he's like well what are you doing here and he says and of course the officer says to him how are you here and he says well I was in the bathroom and I was too afraid to come out because there was so much police around 
And so Blaze says, listen, I've got to go down in the elevator and I've got to go down and finish the show. So listen, you stay here, Richard, and I'll be back in a moment. And he's like, yep, no worries. But the uh, the police officer is like still really perplexed. Like He's like, well, I checked the bathroom. I checked the all the rooms and you shouldn't even be, you shouldn't even be able to get up here. And he's like, well, I'm her husband. So of course I'm going to be able to get up here. And of course he does say that, well, her, her manager allowed me to come up. So if you've got any problems, check with him. And the officer's like, mm, okay, fair enough. You know, but you can see that the officer's like, I am going to check, so don't even worry about that. So he gets in the elevator with Blaze and they start going down to the ballroom to finish off this ridiculously arsenine <laughs> TV show. And of course, it's, you see that um, Richard has like rigged the um, the elevator to short circuit. So it it actually goes all the way up to the top then comes flying all the way down to the bottom and it, before it hits the bottom it stops and of course it knocks Diane and this other police officer out it's at this stage that the door opens up and there's Richard standing there and he drags the police officer out and knocks him out again and gets into the elevator and of course this is when Diane is starting to, to come around after the accident and we find out exactly what the hell has been going on with Richard and Diane Richard <laughs> Joe, you're really something, aren't you? You're a real trooper. Show must go on, huh? Well, tonight, the show's gonna go on without you. I have a surprise for you. Here. Listen to this. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> Instant replay. Miracle of modern technology. You. You. That's right. I'm evil. Because I'm fed up. You are just like every other lady in my life. Derek told me about the way you behave around other men. Derek also told me about the way you try to turn on your own son, and that is not nice. Ladies are not very nice people. They are manipulative and deceitful and immoral and very, very selfish. See, that's why Yvonne was first. You killed Yvonne? Yes. Because you and she been shortchanging me for years. I have had to beg her through you for every cent I ever got. My allowance. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> See, you. You castrated me. And that is not nice. So, Richard basically gives her the well this is what's going to happen now i'm going to my intention is that i'm going to kill you by chaining you to the elevator and forcing it to ride all the way up and then all the way down and of course he's hacked the elevator controls and while he's doing this the police who have been alerted to his presence locate him now they got to where um diane's manager is and says oh let's say okay so richard her husband is here um and obviously you were allowed him to come into the building and he's like i said no such thing i didn't do such thing get her the hell out of here he is dangerous so they go and they locate him um a brief fire firefight ensues and it's just you know the gunfight going backwards and forwards is just rather interesting <laughs> i don't know how you're able to do this in a very confined space but of course the uh, elevator controls are damaged and stopping the elevator and saving diane because diane goes up and then she's just as she's coming down with the gunfire going on it shorts out the elevator controls and of course it stops and 
Luckily, she's saved, because Richard then flees to the rooftop, putting on, a ma putting on the mask that he used to conceal himself before entering the, entering the buildings as that really creepy sort of mask that he had. Cornered by the police, he decides, okay, well, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be thrown in jail. So he decides to jump to his death. Um, and, of course, he hits the ground. And he, he, from the height that he jumped, he basically is going to be almost unrecognisable. But, of course, um, Derek, his son, um, is standing, you know, comes over and stands over his body and is weeping over his body. Now, that's a crime scene right then and there. I don't think you'd really want to be messing with the crime scene but of course the police come over and drag him away and say you know go you know you can't be in this area but there's poor old richard you know lying on the pavement completely dead and you know <laughs> broken into a couple of pieces so the injured diane is loaded into an ambulance but derek is revealed to be the driver now this is where you sit there and go okay this is this movie just took a completely 180 and a dive board off of the um intelligence scale because you know, they've loaded her up in the ambulance. He's in the driver's seat. He's killed the other paramedic in you know, in open view of the general public, police that are standing there, and he's taken his father's mask, so the mask that he actually had, you know, that he was concealing himself, and you know, he's murdered the real driver. So he's sitting there in the driver's seat with this creepy mask on, a murdered person next to him, Diane's in the back, and of course the ambulance driver the other guy who's loaded Diane into the into the van or the, into the ambulance knocks and says, "Okay, you know, let let's go." And he's like, "Oh," and he, he doesn't say anything. He just turns, starts the ambulance, and the ambulance drives off, leaving Diane's fate unknown. As the radio announcer in Honolulu is heard announcing the stroke of midnight in Hawaii, the movie goes black, and that is the end of the movie. Now, if anyone can actually tell me what happened to Diane, we don't know. We know that um, Derek is completely. I think he's pretty much lost it in his mind really not sure what the hell is going on with him i mean standing there with the police and your mother with a you know a red um nylon stocking over your face looking really really weird is one thing but you know and now he's in the in the driver's seat of an ambulance killing the the other driver and just sitting there and all the general public are watching him and there's police everywhere and what you don't think they he would have been seen he was sort of strangling the driver yeah. So the fact that he drove away with his mother in the back of the ambulance, you can either assume that he's going to kill her. I guess that's the only thing you can, the only conclusion you can come to, that he's actually going to kill his mother. But outside of that, the movie just fades to black and then the stupid uh, New Year's Evil song starts again. So really, on a scale of zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do I get the last, uh, what, how long was it? 85 minutes of my life back? To five, it was a perfect movie. Yeah, right, it was a perfect movie. I will give this a two out of five. Uh, two being, uh, I don't even know how you can actually give it a two. I'm going to give it a two anyway because I didn't want to give it a zero. Um, it had it had uh, Ros Kelly in it, who was Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> so I guess that's the only thing that I'm giving it is is two out of out of ten. But uh, really, outside of that, there's really nothing nothing more than you could say about this movie however before we finish this podcast we do need to do paul's fun facts So one thing about that I always find really, really interesting is how many items of trivia are in these really low-budget movies. But there's actually 31 items in this one, and it's just really interesting. One of the several holiday-themed horror films that followed the success of Halloween 1978 in 1980, this movie is, the notable difference here is that the murderer's face is revealed early on. No shit. Like it's revealed in the first, say, 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes, 5 minutes of the movie. He isn't masked until the finale of the movie, which I don't even understand why he was masked at all. This movie was also released 12 days before New Year's Eve in 1980. And of course, the Turner Classic Movies Network once paired an airing of New Year's Evil with the film You Better Watch Out from 1980 also for a holiday-themed slasher movie double feature. Uh, okay, but uh, I, I, I don't know. 
It's also absolutely amazing that this movie has been made into a Blu-ray disc because a making of the behind-the-scenes retrospective documentary entitled Call Me Evil, the making of New Year's Evil 2015, was made and first released especially for the movie's first ever Blu-ray disc edition in 2015. I cannot believe that this movie actually got a, a, a Blu-ray disc. That's just, that is just unheard of. But I mean, I guess if you're a collector of grindhouse movies and, you know, all those sort of things, this is a movie that you'd be gravitating towards, just like April Fool's Day. You know, I did that episode as well. You know, there's there's a lot of movies around this time that were, you know, that you needed to have in your collection. This would definitely be one of them. Just a couple more to finish off. So during the closing credits crawl, the speed of the crawl visibly speeds up after the cast, but then slows down towards the end for the soundtrack credits. So obviously the soundtrack was much more important than the cast were. And just one final one. So there was the director cameo because he decided I'm going to put myself in the movie. So the movie's director in a Hitchcock style cameo as a bearded camera operator. Now, I actually thought to myself that this uh, podcast was only going to go for like 20 minutes because there really wasn't much to it at all. But I kind of believe it's been over 50 minutes. So I'm very impressed with myself and I'm very impressed that I was able to do a podcast for you guys for New Year's Eve. Now, remember, before I go, um, you can direct, uh, correct, try this again. You can, I haven't even had anything to drink yet. This is terrifying, but I will be because it's New Year's Eve. Um, you can contact me directly at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com. You can also come to the Facebook group, Horrorcrypt Cafe, where you can hang out and we can get to know each other. Um, and you can follow me, obviously, at the uh, Horrorcrypt podcast on Facebook. But look, I really hope that you have a wonderful New Year's Eve and a wonderful New Year. Thank you so much throughout the year to come to visit me at the Horror Crypt Podcast. I didn't think when I started this that I was going to get very many listens at all, but as of this recording, um, 1,500, and it's still growing every day. So I'm really, really pleased and very, very, very humbled that you guys enjoy um, coming to visit me every week. Remember, I've also got hats, I've got t-shirts, I've got... Um, beanies that I, I've got and I've also got a coffee mug so if you guys want any of those contact me directly at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com and we can certainly get something sent out to you and it's a very reasonable price and but we can talk about that later when you contact me anyway as I said thank you very much for coming to visit me the horror crypt podcast happy new year I hope everyone has a great new year and I'll look forward to having you guys come back in 2023 in saying that I'll creep you later. I'm getting a penis butler. Sir? All right, buttle my penis. Buttle it!